You're listening to The Cultured Bumpkin, a literature podcast with Jake Phillips, where we present audiobook quality readings of the classics for your enjoyment. Thank you for stopping by. And remember, just because you're a bumpkin doesn't mean you can't be cultured. Hello and welcome to The Cultured Bumpkin. Today is July 4th, 2023. And we are going to read the Declaration of Independence. Now, this document was read in public for the first time on July 4th, 1776, and it announced our split from Great Britain. Now, it's one thing to declare something. In our case, then we had to back it up with oh, several years of fighting, which really didn't get... Um, you know, acknowledged by the British until the Treaty of Paris all the way in 1783. So there was a lot of fighting that had to happen after this document came out to the time that the British said, okay, you know what, we're going to cut our losses and let y'all, you know, do your thing over there. And side note, as far as the war goes, um, for those of you that are young readers or that know young readers, there is a book that I narrated. It's a history book about the American Revolution, and it's called Great Battles for Boys, the American Revolution. Now, my daughter loves it. It's not just for boys, but it's, that's the title of it. And they are fantastic. They give a great overview of the different battles, uh, you know, what... Um, you know, what were each side thinking? It addresses uh, women in the war, African-Americans in the war. Like, there is a lot of good information in this book. And there's the, of course, I did the audiobook version of it, but there's also, you can get a paperback book. And I think you can get it on Kindle as well. Check the link in the bio if, you're, if that interests you. But anyway, a lot of people don't like this document. They say it's racist because it doesn't uh, address slavery, even though it does. Um, you know, that uh, a bunch of white guys that or uh, you know, rich, bunch of rich white guys, which is all true, that is true. It was all white guys, most of, or a lot of them were rich, not all of them. And, um, you know, so that Americans that are immigrants or, or anything other than rich white people can't, uh, you know, it doesn't apply to them. And that is preposterous. Without this document that we're about to read, you wouldn't have the Constitution. Without the Constitution, you wouldn't have things like the 13th Amendment, which outlawed slavery in the United States, which was ratified December the 6th, 1865, right after we fought a four-year bloody civil war with slavery being one of the bones of contention, a big one. So think what you will of the Declaration of Independence. It was a stepping stone. It didn't end all our problems. It didn't, you know, nothing like that. But it was a stepping stone in the right direction. From there, we fought a war. And then we set our country up with the Constitution. And then and at the Constitution, some of the Southern delegates, uh, you know, the delegates from uh, Georgia, the Carolinas, Virginia, said, we're not signing anything that uh, prohibits slavery. That's how we make our money. 
uh, some of these big uh, uh, cotton kings and the rice kings down in the Carolinas, things like that. They said, we're not signing that. That'll affect our livelihood. And so the northern delegates said, okay, well, all right, we'll take that out of there. We just want, let's get this country up and running, and then we'll, we'll fight for it. We'll go after it. Well, it took a long time, but finally we fought a war in large part. Slavery was first and foremost in a lot of the people's minds on both sides. And uh, later that year, after the war ended, 13th Amendment outlawed slavery. So the Declaration of Independence is a great stepping stone in the right direction. Without the Declaration of Independence, there is no Juneteenth. There is no 13th Amendment, right? So this is a pivotal document in American history. And I know I have a lot of listeners around the world that are not from the United States. Um, and, and this is just... This is an important document. This is very much like, let's say, the English Magna Carta back in 1215. The Magna Carta didn't make everybody free. It was a step in the right direction, though. It was a step towards saying the king can't just do whatever he wants. He's got, you know, there's, we, we, we barons, we rich guys have some rights too, you know, that kind of thing. This is such a document. And I think it's, it's beautiful. It's well-written. And um, Thomas Jefferson, who is credited with writing it, he calls it pure Locke. So it, the, the English lawyer John Locke had written, you know, two treatises on government and things like that. And Jefferson was a student of John Locke, and he called this document pure Locke, quote. And um, so anyway, that's what this document is. And uh, we're going to read it, and then I'm going to go and have some uh, barbecue and shoot some fireworks off, okay? Celebrate America. And uh, if you're here in the United States, I hope you'll join me. And if you're somewhere else, I hope that you have a wonderful day at work or whatever it is you're doing, because I really, I, I love you and I thank you for uh, listening, but I don't suppose you'll be um, celebrating with me. Anywho, let's get right into it. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. 
Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time, after such dissolutions, to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices, and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, 
for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever, by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us, and has endeavored to bring us on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. There you have it, the Declaration of Independence. Whatever you think about it, it is a very important document in uh, world history since 1776, certainly in the history of the United States. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, tell a friend, 
etc. And once again, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to The Cultured Bumpkin, a literature podcast with Jake Phillips. Thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you enjoyed this, would you mind going and subscribing and leaving a nice review on whatever podcast podcast platform you heard this on? I would really appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.